0: Hello, and welcome to Beyond What You See, a podcast where I talk about my favorite books from a Muslim perspective. Hello. I know it's been a long while, but I don't really have access to my recording equipment because it's actually my brother's. Um, but that's okay. Life happens, and we take it as we can. Um, in the meantime, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well. I am sick, uh, and I do have a infection, but... That's what antibiotics are for <laughs> um other than that i'm enjoying the winter holidays i have some time off of work um there's been a very sunny nice breeze lately and yeah it's not bitterly cold there's no snow which kind of makes us sad for christmas but that's okay um i'm just really really grateful for the sunlight that we're having which is more than we've had in a little while um yeah we are here we are back, hopefully you're reading along with me, um, we are in chapter four of The Fellowship of the Ring, which is a shortcut to mushrooms. All right, so in the summary, when the adventurous hobbits go up, got up in the morning, they found that the elms had already left, leaving breakfast for them. Frodo decided to take a shortcut through the woods in order to avoid the black riders on the road. They heard strange and frightening noises along the way, and hurried along till they came to the farm of Farmer Maggot. As a youngster, Frodo had been caught many a time stealing mushrooms from these fields, and he was now afraid of Farmer Maggot and his dogs. His fear was eased when Maggot and the dogs greeted them and offered assistance. Farmer Maggot told the travelers that a stranger resembling the Black Rider had been asking questions about Frodo. Old Maggot advised Frodo not to get mixed up in these adventures, but he realized that Frodo would not change his mind. He offered to drive them to the ferry. After supper, the travellers set off in a thick fog. Along the road, they encountered what appeared to be a cloaked man on top of a large horse. <clears throat> Assuming it was the black rider, they attempted to hide in the back of the wagon. The mysterious rider was, in fact, only Meriadoc Merry Brandybuck, who had been on the road in search of the group. Farmer Maggot gave Frodo a basket of mushrooms and bade them farewell. Alright, so. I did some googling, because I love to Google, and I was wondering why farmer maggot has his name fun fact when I think of maggot I think of the bugs the those larva that are just gross um, but mar uh, maggot in archaic English which is dramatic and Old Norse actually means a whimsical fancy so that's pretty cool <laughs> all right so I guess we'll just take notes as I was reading along um, yeah, we'll read through my notes. So, I actually... Uh, <laughs> I put a little heart next to the whole beginning section of this chapter. Um, and I'll read it along for you. In the morning, Frodo woke refreshed. He was lying in a bower made by a living tree, with branches laced and drooping to the ground. His bed was a fern and grass, deep and soft, and strangely fragrant. The sun was shining through the fluttering leaves, which were so green upon the tree. He jumped up and went out. That is just so beautiful especially in cold winter time <laughs> such a such a lovely thought to be in a bower made by a living tree <laughs> a soft deep bed of natural fragrant grasses how lovely so they start the elves have gone they have fruit and drink and bread pippin is almost annoyingly cheerful uh this morning and frodo was just not a morning hobbit he's pretty grumpy when uh, Pippin asks him 600 questions and Frodo says not much or he acts evasive which I don't blame him um, but it really just puts you in mind of how young Pippin is and he really is the youngest in the group I think he's barely out of his tweens or still in his tweens which is the irresponsible 20s of the hobbits and uh, knowing Pippin's story And, like, progression through these books is... It makes you kind of, like, feel extra for him. Like, I know... And especially the movies kind of encouraged us to... Look at him as, like, fool of a duck. As Gandalf says. But... You almost can't blame him. Like, imagine, like, a 17-year-old, 18-year-old going along with these 30 and older... (laughs) 30-year-old and older people on a huge adventure. And he's very sheltered. And he's kind of... I mean, he's kind of a prince. Like going to be Thane one day i think i think that's what they said i don't remember but he's important in the hobbit land and so he's like you know free to do what he wants and he's rich and he's well off and he's cheerful and he's very innocent he doesn't um know much of the world or what he's getting into but he's also very good-hearted despite all of that and maybe he's a little bit flippant <laughs> and he doesn't take things as seriously but experience is going to teach him and make him grow and polish him but i'm also really glad that he's so cheerful and you never really lose that cheerfulness because I think it's good to have, especially because I'm a very doom and gloom person. (laughs) All right. So um, Frodo snaps that. I don't want to answer a string of questions while I'm eating. I want to think. Good heavens, said Pippin at breakfast, (laughs) which just cracks me up. Oh, the merry voice of Pippin came to Frodo. He was running on the green turf and singing. Oh, he's so cute. Oh my goodness frodo and he's very torn he says no i could not it is one thing to take my young friends walking over the shire with me until we are hungry and weary and food and bed are sweet to take them into exile where hunger and weariness may have no cure is quite another even if they are willing to come the inheritance is mine alone i don't think i ought even to take it to uh, even to take sam he looked at sam Gamgee and discovered that sam was watching him gosh i love frodo he's such a noble-hearted hobbit Um, I underlined inheritance here, because I thought it was interesting that he refers to the ring as an inheritance. Let me just turn this down a little bit. Um, yeah. He refers to the ring as an inheritance, and I think it's not the only time in this chapter that he does so. Let me just flip through and check. Did I underline it anywhere else? Hmm. Da da da. No, I don't think he did to No, he doesn't refer to it as inheritance anywhere else. But, I don't know, I just, I mean, it's true, he did inherit it from Bilbo. Um, it was given to him along with Bilbo's other um, belongings. But, hmm, it wasn't really Bilbo's to give away in a sense. I mean, he did have it because he got it in the caves from Gollum, but it wasn't even Gollum's. I don't know, it just, it seemed interesting to me because he inherited the thing, but he also inherited the burden of it, which I suppose that's how inheritances work. <laughs> Anyways, I also like this chapter because um, Sam is very, he's very simple, but he's very wise, I think, because he's also very simple and very clear and he sees things very clearly. Um, because Sam watches Frodo very carefully and understands his master very well, which, um, as a hopeful, per- permanent student, <laughs> I hope to always be learning, is a good way to study anybody or to study anything, just to watch closely. Um, yeah. There was another um, section that I really liked that really highlights Sam's wiseness. Um, Frodo says, you've seen the elves, what did you think of them? Um, do you like them still now? Now you have had a closer view. And Sam says, they seem a bit above my likes and dislikes, so to speak, answered Sam slowly. It don't seem to matter what I think about them. They are quite different from what I expected. So old and young and so gay and sad as it were. And it's just noble of him to think that. Um, and also captures the elves really well, I think. They are old and young and gay and sad at the same time um and they are above his likes and dislikes because he's a little hobbit who is he to pass judgment on these elves (laughs) which is yeah it's nice um i also really like this following section so forgive me as i quote a lot because i really like this chapter frodo looked at sam rather startled half expecting to see some outward sign of the odd change that seemed to have come over him it did not sound like the voice of the old sam Gamgee that he thought he knew but it looked like the old sam Gamgee sitting there except that his face was unusually thoughtful so here's another thing we're learning about sam and i think frodo is also learning about sam here i think perhaps before he never really knew sam this well and well they say if you want to get to know people you travel with them um frodo says do you feel any need to leave the shire now now that your wish to see them has come true already yes sir i don't know how to say it but after last night i feel different i seem to see ahead in a kind of way I know we are going to take a very long road into darkness but i know i can't turn back it isn't to see elves now nor dragons nor mountains that i want i don't rightly know what i want but i have something to do before the end and it lies ahead not in the shire i must see it through sir if you understand me okay so i really like this last section so i'm going to repeat it again i don't rightly know what i want but i have something to do before the end and it lies ahead not in the shire I must see it through, sir, if you understand me. They kind of, this kind of really resonates me with me. Um, I'm 25. I'm having a quarter-life crisis. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Um, and just like Sam, I don't really know what I want. But I know there are things that I have to do. And as much as I want to kind of retreat to the familiar and to the comfort of my home and my family and my old past. There's no going back. I have to take life and keep going with life and do my best, even if I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, I must see it through, sir, if you understand me, Sam says. And I do have to see my life through. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what's happening. I'm just along for the ride, but I know I can't give up and I know I can't hide from it. Um, yeah, that really so that really affected me. Um, I also think that like, from a religious perspective like, this speaks to my faith like, this is I know I have something to do before the end which is true, like, I know what's expected of me as a believer and I know how I'm supposed to conduct myself through my life, even if I don't know what my life is going to bring me and I can't just give up or leave it um, yeah I wonder, what do you guys think of that? let me know so, Frodo says, um I understand that Gandalf chose me a good companion. I am content. We will go together. That's such a lovely thing. Sam is a good companion. Um, And I like that Frodo says, I'm content. Like, He's not only happy with Sam, he's content. I don't know. There's something about content. It's just satisfaction. And God, I want that feeling. (laughs) I want to just be content. (laughs) So I hope we all feel content when we go after our adventures and carry our inheritances forward yeah and then Pippin chimes in and uh, really just reinforces that he's like he's kind of like a kid all ready to start Frodo says to Pippin as he ran up we must be getting off at once we slept late and there are a good many miles to go you slept late you mean said Pippin (laughs) and that's just such a comment my sister would give me it's so funny so cute so they get on they try to figure out where they go uh which way they'll go i think frodo's trying to get a shortcut here um and pippin actually no frodo shows that he knows the land around here pretty well actually um he describes the ferry going to Woodhall and the hard road that curves left um how the north end of the Marish strikes the causeway from the bridge above stock that's miles out of the way um, and so he advocates for a shortcut. Pippin says, shortcuts make long delays. Which, as we see, is going to be very true. Um, and also we also see that Pippin pretty knows the uh, the land pretty well, too, himself. Um, so as much as Frodo explored, I think Pippin also explored. And the movies kind of give you a glimpse of that, because they find him, they find uh, Pippin and Merry in Farmer Maggot's field. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, so. Um... Proto counters Pippin's comment by saying it is less easy to find people in the woods and fields, which is true, but also life's funny. You end up bumping into people in the least likely places. Um, I, I always notice that sometimes I'm in a crowd and I'll bump into the same strangers. No matter how many people are there, I'll see the same faces again and again through the crowd, even if I don't know them. And that's just how it goes people just meet up in strange places so for example i used to get worried when i was younger i would go to wonderland with my siblings and my friends and i would get worried if we got separated because we didn't have phones or maybe like two or three of us had phones um but then i realized like eventually i just stopped worrying because wonderland is only so big and i was like eh, we'll bump into them eventually at some point and we almost always did <laughs> yeah sorry digression okay so uh pippin says uh, i don't know if it's a good idea to take a shortcut plus there's a there's a um, what is it there's an inn that has the best beer in the east farthing and frodo says that settles it shortcuts make delays but inns make longer ones and sam nobly says <laughs> despite his deep regret for missing the best beer, that he'll go along with frodo so they make their very long way and almost immediately run into problems such as a bramble and then sam happens to look back and he notices a black figure who frodo says to pippin we are both right the shortcut has gone crooked already but we got undercover only just in time which is a reminder that in our lives and also in this book that things turn out for the best even when mistakes seem to be have being made, uh, even though mistakes seem to be being made, they always turn out for the best. It's mind boggling and it's just true. So if they had stayed on the road, perhaps they would have been caught, but at the same time there were issues with the shortcut. Anyways, they're going, they're going, there was some rain. They trudged along as fast as they could over patches of grass and through thick drifts of old leaves. And all about them, the rain pattered and trickled. They did not talk, but kept glancing back and from side to side. I really like this because it really immerses you in the environment and reminds you that traveling is not easy. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I grew up reading fantasy books and sometimes you idealize what it's like to travel the countryside or go through a wood. And when you actually go through it, you're like, oh my god, there's sticks, there's holes, there's brambles, there's burrs, there's annoying mud. <laughs> And it's just it's not as easy going as the movies or your imagination make it seem. And uh Tolkien never shies away from that. So, they keep going, then they start singing. And I think I'm gonna try to find the um the tune here. And see if I can play it in the background. Bear with me. <laughs> okay, I've gone too far. Da-da-da-da-da. Well, I don't have it, but let's try to sing it. Ho, ho to the bottle I go, to heal my heart and drown my woe. Rain may fall and wind may blow, and many miles be still to go, but under a tall tree I will lie, and let the clouds go sailing by. <laughs> this is from the movies. It's um, not from the movies, but the movies kind of take this and then change the tune a little bit. And in the movies it says, Ho, hey ho, to the bottle I go. To heal my heart and drive my Rain may fall and may blow. And there'll still be my mouth still go. Uh, da 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 a mug of beer inside this tuck This is when they're at the Green Dragon. Uh, Merry and Pippin. Anyways. Small dare aggression. Uh, thank you for dealing with my terrible voice. But, anyways. So, um. Oh, there's this section here that I underlined and I thought the movie did a really good job of catch, uh, capturing this feeling. Um, I forgot what it's called. I think they said it's a dolly cam where it like it focuses on the road and kind of zo- collapses the distance without actually zooming in. And there's like the wind howling and Frodo says, get off the road. <laughs> yes, I do have it playing in my head. Um, I have watched movies too many times. But anyways, so... They were singing, and then they stopped short suddenly. Frodo sprang to his feet. A long, drawn wail came down with the wind, like the cry of some evil and lonely creature. It rose and fell, and ended on a high, piercing note. Even as they sat and stood, as if suddenly frozen, it was answered by another cry, fainter and further off, but no less chilling to the blood. There was then a silence, broken only by the sound of the wind in the leaves. Gosh. I mean wow I, I love the soundtrack of the movie but even they're like um they're they're like besides the tunes but like the background music is like really well done and the ambient sounds that's the word the ambient sounds are really well captured and the the way they made the nazgul sound or like the black riders as they're called right now um i feel like they just captured that so well the cry of some evil and lonely c- creature like the sounds that the black riders make Has forever and will forever be captured by those movies perfectly. It's like, ugh, it's just amazing. Okay. Um. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Where am I now? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So they hear the Black Rider, but they don't see him. And they keep traveling, and before long, the wood come came to a sudden end. Wide grasslands stretched before them. Uh, they realize they had turned way too far to the south and they have to head pretty much in the opposite direction to get back on tra- uh, track. They're in these fields. They feel so much better. They remember that they're still in an ordinary corner of the shire. Their spirits rose with every step. Gosh. And then, um, then stops suddenly. He says, I know these fields in this gate. This is ben, uh, Bam Furlong, old Farmer Maggot's land. That's his farm away in the trees. And Frodo is like, oh no! <laughs> and it turns out that he's uh, terrified of Farmer Maggot and his dogs because he trespassed on his land stealing mushrooms, which um, hobbits love, apparently. And he's been afraid of the dogs ever since. And I actually. Uh, well, okay, so they continue on Farmer Maggot's land and they come to his house and the farm buildings and let's see because they don't live, they're don't they a different type of hobbit they don't live in holes they live in buildings <clears throat> so they're going and they hear a terrific bang and barking which broke out and a loud voice was heard shouting "Crip, fang wolf come on lads i love this they don't show farm ragged in um the movies but they do they do take this quote almost directly um and I underlined grip fang and wolf because those are terrifying names for dogs <laughs> and it's a warning their names itself are a warning um, but also I want to point out the appearance versus reality right so these are two wolfish looking dogs and they're very ferocious and a broad thick set hobbit with a round face appears which is farmer maggot and he looks a certain way and Turns out to be very shrewd and very clever. And actually an old friend of Gandalf's. And yeah, I just... Just keep in mind this appearance versus reality because it comes up again. Um, Later. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Sorry, I just had that note in my book and I kind of got a little sidetracked. So, um, the farmer looks at... Pippin closely, and he says, Well, if it isn't Master Pippin, Mr. Peregrine Took, I should say, he cried, changing from a scowl to a grin. There's the appearance for severity again. It's a long time since I saw you round here. It's lucky for you that I know you. I was just going to set my dogs on any strangers. There are some, some funny things going on today. Of course, we do get queer folk wandering in these parts at times. Too near the river, he said, shaking his head. But this fellow is the most outlandish I've ever set eyes on. He won't cross my land without leave a second time, not if I can stop him. So, of course, uh, Farmer Maggot reveals that he bumped into a Black Rider, or a Black Rider bumped into him on his land. Um, but before we get to that, I just wanted to point out something. So, he point uh, Farmer Maggot points out that there are um, strange place uh, people in this area, wandering in this area because they're too near the river. And so, out of curiosity, I googled it um and in a lot of like folklore and fairy tales especially british folklore and fairy tales um rivers are boundaries spirits um boundaries usually hold spirits usually hold some danger of course the water itself is dangerous so it's unsurprising um especially like currents can sweep away people and children and cattle etc um so and if they if they marked a boundary for example to like a fairy realm or a spiritual realm uh and to strange creatures it's unsurprising yes i don't know if i'm making any sense forgive me <laughs> um so pippins and frodo and sam are trying to get more of the story out of uh farmer maggot but he kind of gets derailed And it says, it seemed plain that the farmer would tell them more if allowed to do it in his own time and fashion. So I really like the um, tension of time and rushing and patience and hurry and anxiety in this book because it's like, it's very well balanced. There's a lot of push and pull. Um, So here they're in a rush and they have to slow down and they have to go along with um, Farmer Maggot's pace in his speech. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yes, so Farmer Maggot invites them, invites them all in. They have some food and some beer. Sam sipped his beer suspiciously. He had a natural, uh, what does it say? He has a natural mistrust of the inhabitants of other parts of the Shire. And also, he was not disposed to be quick friends with anyone who had beaten his master however long ago. <laughs> he's so loyal, but he's also so sheltered. So funny i love that okay so farmer maggot asks some questions they kind of uh avoid it they just say oh you know they're going to crick hollow and farmer maggot kind of gives them the idea that he knows more than he's letting on um and then he describes the black rider that met him um and says all black he was himself too and cloaked and hooded up as if he did not want to be known which is so interesting i never looked at the black riders as being cloaked, not only to give them shape, but because they don't want to be known. I mean, it makes sense if you're agents of the enemy. You don't want to be known as agents of the enemy. Hm. Anyways, so the Black Rider asks for Baggins, Farmer Maggot says he can bugger off, essentially. <laughs> and, uh, so they're talking, they're talking, also I noticed this funny thing. So for me on page 122, Sam says, He's always been naturally suspicious of the inhabitants of other parts of the Shire. And on page 120 at the bottom, almost exactly, uh, <laughs> ankled from that first quote, Mr. Uh, Farmer Maggot says, Folk are queer up there, meaning in Hobbiton. And it just shows the kind of, like, village attitude of small places where anywhere but here is not normal. <laughs> That's cute. Um, and then, um, Let's see. And then he says something very interesting. Mm, From Raggett says, Mark my words, this all comes of those strange doings of Mr. Bilbo's. His money was got in some strange fashion in foreign parts, they say. Maybe there's some that want to know what has become of the gold and the jewels that he buried in the hill of Hobbiton, as i hear. That is so smart and keen and very true. Um... And it's interesting how, just how right on the money this guy is. And he's just, he just seems to be some farmer. Remember? Appearances versus reality. Uh, Frodo said nothing. The shrewd guesses of the farmer were rather disconcerting. And it really is. It's very disconcerting. Especially because Gandalf warned Frodo to be so secret and so safe with this business with the ring. So maggot looks at frodo thoughtfully and he says well i see you have ideas of your own it is as plain as the as my nose that no accident brought you and that rider here on the same afternoon and maybe my news was no great news to you after all i am not asking you to tell me anything you have a mind to keep to yourself but i see that you are um in some kind of trouble perhaps you are thinking it won't be too easy to get to the ferry without being caught i love farmer maggot He's such a small character, but he's so brilliant. Anyways, so he says, It is as plain as my nose that no accident brought you and the rider here on the same afternoon Which really underscores or very subtly underscores the fate and how fate works in life and in these books. And remember how they went on that shortcut just before a black rider, um, they heard or saw a black rider, and how even though the shortcut turned out to be a mistake and not as direct as they wanted it to be it still worked out for the best for them and they also met farmer maggot which they might not have otherwise and he gets into the fairy in a way they might not have otherwise Pete. and as uh, Gandalf says I think later he's there are other powers that work in this world and not all of them for evil some are for good something like that I'm paraphrasing and it's good to note and then finally um, they have a little supper and Uh, It's called a generous supper. And I underline that because um, generous is really strongly associated with the hobbits. Uh, In the first few chapters, I pointed out how often the is called generous. And it's just wonderful. These lovely hobbits, who are so sweet, if they are a little bit xenophobic, (laughs) who are very generous and down-to-earth and wise in their own ways. Really remarkable. I understand why Gandalf is so focused on them and yeah so they eat their supper they say goodbye to Farmer Maggot's wife and children and they get on a carriage ride with mr. uh, mr. maggot and he takes them close and close to the ferry then they heard uh, horse hooves and they get a little bit worried that it's a rider then it turns out to be Mary, and Farmer Maggot says goodbye to them because they're almost at the ferry and it's getting foggy and dark and he wants to head home. Um, but he says, All's well as ends well, though perhaps we should not say that until we reach our own doors. I'll not, de- I'll not deny that I'll be glad now when I do. He lit his lanterns and got up. Suddenly he produced a large basket from under the seat. I was nearly forgetting, he said. Mrs. Maggot put this up for Mr. Baggins with her compliments. He handed it down and moved off, followed by a chorus of thanks and good nights. They watched the pale rings of light around his lanterns as they dwindled into the foggy night. Suddenly Frodo laughed. From the covered basket he held, the scent of mushrooms was rising." How lovely. How sweet. <laughs> Gosh. I just, I really love these hobbits. They're so nice. And he gave him a whole basket of mushrooms, which hobbits love so much. And also, I think as a kind of a little tease to Frodo for once being caught on his land, and now being forgiven with a whole basket of mushrooms. Well, that is the end of our chapter, and hopefully I will be joining you all sooner rather than later with the next chapter. I hope your reread is going well. I hope you're having wonderful, happy, relaxing, good holidays with good people, and good food, and good drinks. And this has been Sameo, on Beyond What You See. Have a wonderful time. Good night.